Amen. Well, good morning, Living Stones. Oh, that was weak for post-Thanksgiving. Good morning. Good morning, Living Stones. All right, that's better. That's better. It's good to... Yes, we are having kickstart today. I was just about to get to that, Liz. Our fourth and fifth graders, you guys get on out of here. We are going to see you guys after service this morning. But I'm so grateful to be with all of you. Uh, my name is Pat Malloy. I'm the pastor here. And if we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, I want, I want you to um, make sure you find me after service and just come introduce yourself, say hi. Um, it would be just a, a pleasure to get to know you. And if there's anything that we can do to, to serve you, to pray for you, to be a blessing to you, um, all you need to do is ask. And it would be uh, our joy to, to do just that. And, and I hope everybody did have a great Thanksgiving weekend, um, getting together with family and friends and just eating way too much uh, and enjoying uh, football and time. Um, you know, one of the one of the things I mentioned last week was, like, e even in even in our difficult moments, how good it is to to remember to have a heart of gratitude in in all things. That that really, you know, it, it's one of the most important aspects you know, of our character that we can foster and develop is just having that heart of of gratitude and thanksgiving to to those who uh, to God and to those who are around us and uh, so I'm, I'm just uh, extremely just humbled and, and uh, grateful to be able to share with each of you this morning. So uh, today we are concluding our series that we have been calling Mission Minded and, and in this series we've been just kind of talking about like who we are as, as a church. What, what is it that God has called us to as, as a church body? What, where are we going moving forward as well? And, and last week I, I shared with you kind of the idea that Jesus had a mission statement. He, he, Jesus had a, a statement by which he lived by that, that, that uh, really kind of funneled and, and channeled everything that he did through this one statement. And it's in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. From, from his own mouth, he was sharing, all right, what, what, is it, what is it I'm all about? Why am I here on, on this earth, what is it that I'm that I'm here to do? And and everything that Jesus did flowed out of this mission statement. The the people that he spoke to, and the people that he taught, the people that were healed, the the miracles that he performed, like all of it came back to this one statement that he came to seek and to save the lost, those who were excluded from God's kingdom. And then and then I shared with you about our mission statement that, that the elders and the staff and I have been working through the, the wording and, and, and really kind of asking God, right, who are we today? Who, who is Livingstone's Church right now in 2022 knocking on the door of 2023? And, and, and we believe that really this statement encapsulates who we are and what we're about as, as a church, our bullseye. What is it that we are aiming for as a church? And I'm going to put it up on the screen, but it, it's to partner in God's mission of love, reflecting the heart of Jesus to all people and inviting others on this journey of grace. Like, th this is what we're about. This is what we are endeavoring to do as a church. And, and the thing that, that we want to come back to that influences what we do, how we act, the way that we interact and, and uh, talk to and communicate with those who are around us, it, it should all kind of come through this lens of this mission statement. Now, kind of thinking about this as I, as I was reflecting on, on this idea of, of a mission statement this week, one of, one of the things that came to mind was, was this idea that for early navigators, 
The star Polaris, which is kind of colloquially known as the North Star, has been a, an invaluable marker for, for centuries to help, to help those that find their direction, especially like while they're at sea. If, if, if there's no landmarks around, and so finding Polaris, finding the, the North Star will help kind of orient you as to where you are. And, and if you can actually put the uh, Polaris picture up on the screen, this is actually just kind of a fun fact. If you ever wanted to find out where Polaris is, the, the Big Dipper is always uh, an easy one to spot in the northern sky. And so you can literally draw almost a straight line from kind of the, the tip of the Big Dipper up to Polaris. And Polaris is the North, the north Star. And, and the amazing thing about the North Star is that it literally sits atop, it's kind of hard three-dimensionally, but it sits atop the North Pole. And, and so regardless of where you are in the northern hemisphere, if you look up and you see Polaris, it is always pointing, is always pointing north. And just something that, like I've truly found fascinating about this is, if you could put the, the next picture up, the, the Polaris is actually the, the one star in the center of this like star trail that you have. And, and it almost appears as though like the other stars are circling around Polaris, but the, but the really bright one that's not moving in that star trail, that is Polaris right there. And, and I share this because for over 2,000 years, Polaris has served to, as, as a way to help those who are lost find their way. That if they're not sure where to go, if you can identify where Polaris is, you can know what direction you're headed. Because if you can find north, you can find south, east, and west from there. And the unique thing is, no matter where you are in the northern hemisphere, the further north you go, the higher Polaris ends up going in, in, the, um, uh, in, in the sky. And, and so if stars are visible at night, you can always find your way. You can find what direction you are headed by being able to identify Polaris. And, and I share this because our mission statement serves as, as our Polaris. It serves as our North Star, that, that it's that thing that directs us back when maybe we get lost or we get off track. It, it's, it's that thing that reminds us of which way we're going and points us back in the direction we're supposed to head. Like when, when we have lost our way, it says, all right, if we can, if we can identify our North Star or Polaris, if we, we, we can, that we'll use that mission statement as a way to, to figure out, all right, where, are we, where we are and where are we supposed to be headed right now in, in this moment. So again, that mission statement, to partner in God's mission of love, reflecting the heart of Jesus to all people and inviting others on this journey of grace. And today I want to talk about and focus a little bit on, on the how. For, you know, how, how do we go about doing this? And for those of us that have been a part of our church family for a while, some of this is going to sound familiar to you. Um, we've made some changes to some of the wording. We've made some uh, deletions and some additions as, as well. And so I want to just kind of share like our, our vision statements. All right, how do we go about carrying out this, this mission of ours that God has given to us? And, and so the first one, and, and this is going to be very familiar, everybody has heard us, you even heard Meredith mention it just a few moments ago, is that the very first thing that we want to do is we want to impact the south side impact the south side. This is where we are. This is where God has, has planted us. It doesn't mean that we don't care about other areas of, of South Bend. It doesn't mean that we don't care about other uh, areas that need the, the life-giving message of Jesus, but this is our, our focus area. And if, if you can put the map up on the screen, I, I found this, this map here, and this is kind of like our geographical uh, 
kind of neighborhood right, right around us where we are, where to the south the, is, is Ireland Road, up to the north is Ewing, Maine is on the, the left side of the screen, and Miami is off on the right side here. And, and there's about five, there's just a hair under 5,000 people who live in this shaded area right here, right outside our, our doors. There's about just under 5,000 people that live right here in this small little space. Now, that's 5,000 people that need to hear the good news of Jesus, that, that, need, that need us to share God's kingdom with, with all of them. And it doesn't mean, again, that, that we don't care about the, the rest of the city. It doesn't mean that if you don't live within that shaded area, you can't be a part uh, of it. Of course you can. But this is where we want to devote our time and our efforts and our energy right here. The, the schools in our neighborhood, from Monroe to Stanley Clark to, to Riley to the local businesses, the residents that live in this area. Like God has called us to make an impact on those who live and work and, and worship and visit and, and learn right here in our neighborhood. You know, one, one of the things about impacting the South Side, and this is something we, we've done every year for, for going back a, a long number of years, is, is in, in December we've tried to find ways, all right, how can, we, how can we do that? How can we give back? How can we influence and impact our South Side community? And uh, the vice principal at, at Monroe, she talked to us a, a couple weeks ago saying that they were in need of, of some items. They were in need of, of several different things, from, from gloves to, to pants to uh, feminine products to uh, shirts, underwear, you name it. And, and so one of the things that we're asking our church to do is we can make an impact on the south side here is that in, in the lobby here, we have a board set up with different tags. And, and I would just encourage and ask every one of you, if, would, if you'd grab one or two or three of these tags and just purchase what's on the tag and bring it here to the church, that we can be a blessing to Monroe School right down the street from us. Just some of the things that they are in need of right here as well. Some, it's just a way that we can partner and be a part of what God is doing here, right here in our neighborhood. The second aspect that we, or the second way that we can help carry out our mission is that we form intentional relationships. We form intentional relationships. Like we recognize that, that every interaction that we have with someone has the potential to be a God encounter. Like, and, and life change happens in the context of relationships. And, and so part of, part of forming those intentional relationships, a huge part of it, is actually listening. And so we take the time to, to hear the needs of, of the people around us. We don't assume that, that we know what's best, that we know what's needed, but we take the time to, to listen, to, to discover, right, where is God already present? What is God already up to right now? Right now? so that we can partner with God in his mission of love. And, and most, if not all of us, we've probably heard the, the quip that, you know, they, they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and the people in, in our neighborhood, they're not our, they're not our projects that we're trying to fix. They're our partners. They're people that we are, 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 are praying that God is going to direct our conversations and our interactions. It's something that I've, I've been attempting to do more in, in my own life as well. It's just Praying and saying, God, how can I be more present with those who are around me? How can I be more present? How can I talk less and listen more? How can I speak life and blessings around those that God has brought in my path around me? And intentional relationships are key to us fulfilling God's mission for us here. We're not just some 
street preachers. I don't, I don't know if you, any of you ever encountered one of them, but when I, where I went to college, there was a guy, every Friday, he parked himself on, on, a, on a corner, and he literally stood, I don't think it was a soapbox, but he stood up on like a crate, and he was constantly telling all of us how we were, how we were going to hell. If we didn't get right, we were going to get left. You know, like, I, I mean, the, the whole, like, I, I mean, and, and we probably all encountered people like that at one time or another. But we're intentionally forming relationships. We're, we're not just going to be that street, that street preacher. No, we want to journey with people together. We, the third part is we fulfill our mission by pursuing spiritual transformation. This is, this is something that we're purposely going after. And if you think about it, this is what happened with Jesus everywhere that he went. Spiritual transformation took place everywhere he went. Now, now to be sure, not everybody responded well to Jesus' message. You know, there were many that rejected him, that actively worked against him. But wherever he went, spiritual, transfer, spiritual transformation followed. Last week I mentioned about Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. And we think about the, the woman at the well, the woman that was caught in adultery, Nicodemus the Pharisee, the Roman centurion, the man at the beautiful gate, blind Bartimaeus, the, the thousands that Jesus fed on the hillside, the, the, the multitudes that heard him speak the Sermon on the Mount, and the countless other in, interactions that, that Jesus had. Spiritual transformation followed wherever Jesus went. And that's our desire as well. We want to see spiritual transformation take place as well. The, the fourth part of how we carry this out is, is that we want to expand God's kingdom. And, and God's kingdom is not something that's, that's far off in the future, but it's something that's right here and right now. It's something that we get to be a part of. And we can share the, God's kingdom with others. We can help expand his kingdom. Because the kingdom of, of this world that we live in, and we all know this, we've, we've all been party to this and recognize this, it, it's, a, it's a me first. Look out for number one. Get ahead by any means possible. But God's kingdom is another's first. Take the back seat. Love your enemies and, and pray for those who persecute you. Like that's what we get to share. That's what we get to expand. The world says that we have to earn favor. We earn forgiveness, we earn respect, we earn love, we earn acceptance. That God's kingdom says that we give away favor and forgiveness and respect and love and acceptance for free. The world says to take up your sword and fight for what's right. God's kingdom says take up your cross and follow him. The world says that the, the rich and the beautiful and the smart, the educated, they're the ones that have achieved success. But God's kingdom chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Like Jesus said in his kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Like that's the kingdom that we get to share and expand. And, and, and then we get to be a part of a, a counterculture group that flips what the world has to say on its head and expand God's kingdom by following the ways of Jesus. And there's something that's just so refreshing and so appealing about that message. And the last part of it is we, we help fulfill that mission that God has given to us by empowering the next generation. And, and I, honestly, like I, 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 I can't stand, this is just kind of a, a personal frustration, I, I can't stand some of the stereotypes that my generation and, and those older than me have painted about millennials and Gen Z and those that are coming up 
behind us. And, and we've all heard them. We've, we've probably all said them or joked about them, or maybe we've even believed them, you know, that they're, they're lazy, they're entitled, they, they need a participation trophy for everything. And I'll tell you, like, that's not what we believe at all as a church. Over 40% of the residents of South Bend are under 30 years of age. Instead of trashing and putting down 40% of the people that God has called us to reach and to minister to, LSC, we're going to be a place where we believe in the next generation, where we support and empower and encourage them. Because our young people, like, they have some amazing traits that are so valuable to the kingdom of God. Like they, they have such a strong sense of, of justice. Like social issues are important to this next generation. And so it behooves us to be sensitive to that fact, to lean into their passion for things to be right and things to be just. They desire to be change agents. They, they don't just want to sit back and watch things happen, but they want to participate in making change happen. And so we need to be a place where they can be a part of that change and not just hear about it. Young people are looking for a place with, of authenticity and connection with other people, like where, where relationships and real relationships are absolutely vital. Like they're passionate about issues, not institutions. They value collaboration. And, and, and quite honestly, like if we look at it objectively, the stats about the next generation and the, and the, the way that they have kind of decommitted from, from church, the church overall, is kind of staggering. And, and so if we're going to be a church that truly makes a difference in the lives of young people, let us not become married to, to one single way of doing ministry, of doing church, of doing this spiritual walk where we exclude an entire swath of, of the population that God has called us to reach out to and to minister and to walk alongside and to journey with. And so where, where does that leave us then right now? We kind of talked about the, those five areas, those five different things that help us carry that out. Like we talked about our mission to partner in God's mission of love, reflecting the heart of Jesus to all people and inviting others on this journey of grace. We, we talked about those vision statements about impacting the South Side, forming intentional relationships, pursuing spiritual transformation, expanding God's kingdom, empowering the next generation. And, and as we knock on the door of 2023, so what's next for us? Where, where do we go from here? And I, and I want to share with you something that I read a, a, a few months back that really just kind of turned a light bulb on for me, that, that W. Philip Keller wrote a small little book. I, I mentioned this in passing a couple weeks back, and it's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And, and Psalm 23, it, it's the famous, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... In fact, I want to read it to you right now. It's short, six, six short verses. And the NIV version says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the author that, that wrote this book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he was 
a shepherd. And so he has some unique insights as, as he kind of dissects Psalm 23, and, and he gives some, some really unique uh, insights and thoughts about the spiritual implications of, of what David wrote some 3,000 years ago. And there's one particular passage that I'd like to just briefly read to you that I believe, I, I, I think is, is going to be a key part of, of how we move forward together as, as a church body, of where, where our, our minds and our focuses are. And, I, and so I'm going to just read this short passage to you. And in it, he says, the consequence of such indifference, he, he's talking about the leading the sheep to grazing in different spots. And he says, the consequence of such indifference, that, it, that if you keep the sheep in one location, one spot, the sheep gnaw the grass to the very ground until even the roots are damaged. I've seen places in Africa where grass roots were pawed out of the soil, leaving utter barrenness behind. Such abuse means loss of fertility and the exposure of the land to all the ravages of erosion. And because of the behavior of sheep and their preference for certain favored spots, these well-worn areas become quickly infested with parasites of all kinds. In short time, a whole flock can thus become infected with worms and nematodes and scab. The final upshot is that both land and owner are ruined while the sheep become thin, wasted, and sickly. He goes on to say that the greatest single safeguard which a shepherd which a shepherd has in handling his flock is to keep them on the move. That is to say, they dare not let the same ground, they dare not lay, yeah, excuse me, they dare not be left on the same ground too long. They must be shifted from pasture to pasture periodically. This prevents overgrazing of the forage. It also, it also avoids the rutting of trails and erosion of land from overuse. It forestalls the reinfestation of the sheep with internal parasites or disease since the sheep move off the infected area, infected ground before these organisms complete their life cycles. And, and so what, what he's kind of saying there is this idea of that a, that a good shepherd, he's, he's going to take his sheep to different pastures. They're, they're going to rotate pastures in a way, in, in some ways, it's, it's kind of like if, if you think of crop rotation, where, where, where farmers, they're not going to plant the same crop in the same field year in and year out, because eventually the field is going to become depleted, and, and you're not going to get as big a yield the longer you do that, but you have to rotate which crops you're planting in which fields, so that the fields can be replenished and you get the best bang for your buck with, with the crops. And, and it's this, this kind of the same way of, of what the author's talking about, about rotating pastures. The, the taking sheep to different pastures is a key to them staying healthy. Because if they stayed in, in one place all the time, they're going to ruin the soil, they're going to ruin the grass, and eventually make the sheep sick. But if we allow the different pastures to recover, and the sheep to get the nutrients from a variety of different fields. And so there's a balance. There's a balance that needs to be had in the lives of sheep, just like there's balance that needs to be had in, in our lives as well. That we, that we, like just an example, we need a balance of, of work and play and rest. Like if, if, uh, if all we're doing is we're just working all the time, we're going to get burnt out. We're going to become exhausted. If we spend all of our time playing, nothing's ever going to get done. If we spend all of our time resting, we're just going to become a couch potato and just get terribly unhealthy. And so we, we need a healthy balance of, of the three. And there's all kinds of things like that in our lives. We, we need a balanced diet. We need balance in our relationships and our finances as well. And, and so there's, there's, there's a picture of something that's just been 
going on in, in my head that I wanted to share with you. And, and I hope that this, this visual will help if you can put it up on the screen here and, and leave it here. And it, it's this, this idea that in the center is right where we are right now at, at Livingstone's Church. The, the coordinates that are on the, the bracelet that, that, you, that you were given. And we think about, like, all right, where, where, what are our focuses as a church body? Like, where, where do we need to focus? And, and as I look, I, I kind of think of three different pastures. That, that they're all connected, though, too. An, an internal, an external, and a personal. And let me explain what I mean by these. So, like, the internal pasture. This, this pasture deals with the things and the people who are already inside the church body. Building relationships with people that are already committed to the church. Doing, doing church activities with church people. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we need that. That needs to be a part of what we do as, as a church. That we are building those connections. We're growing in relationship with other followers of Jesus, with other believers. And this year, we, we've intentionally focused on, on bringing internal health to, to our church body, to our church family here. Like, you, you've heard me state this before, but we're not the same church we were just a couple of years ago. And especially coming out of COVID and everything that COVID brought with it, we needed to create some opportunities for our church family to grow in connection and grow in relationship with one another. It, it's why, you know, we did date night, why we did the lunch on the lawns in the summer, why we did the bonfire, the Stony Awards, like, why we've done some of those relational connecting things is, is that we know that there, there's healing, there, there's uh, it's such an importance of, of us being connected internally. But if a church is not careful, they can get out of balance. And if we spend all of our time in the internal pasture, where the church becomes so internally focused that it's easy for us to forget that we have a mission, a, a God-given mandate to go and to share God's kingdom wherever we go. In week one of this series, that, that's kind of what we talked about when I was sharing with you the, the history, the story of Livingstone's Church. When, when we were Donmore Avenue Church of Christ, by all accounts of people that were here at the time, we were a very internally focused church. Church being done with church people in mind. Doing things the way we like things being done. Being concerned with, with our comfort, our circle of friends, our style of music. And quite honestly, in, in church life, there's a constant draw, there's a constant pull towards that internal pasture of doing what we like, what we feel is important. And that internal aspect is hugely important. We need that to be a part of it. But that can't be the sole place where we stop and where we stay and where we eat because, again, it's not healthy for us, it's not healthy for those around us. So the, the second pasture is kind of an external pasture where the church, and where we're building relationships with, with those and making a difference with those who are outside of our church walls. Like this year, we, we did our prayer walk service, which is something I want to incorporate in, in the future, moving forward again. We did our, our summer at Miami Hills, our egg venture over at Riley. We did teacher appreciation, trunk or treat. We participated in in Monroe's Fall Festival. We, we've done mentoring. Like there, there's, there's avenues by which we've been trying to live and operate in that external pasture as well. And though not as prevalent, there are some churches that have gotten way out of balance being so externally focused 
that they forget the need for connection and discipleship within their own church body and their own church family as well. Where the church can almost become like the United Way in a way, where you know it's just a, a, a community organization that's doing good things for, for its neighborhood, but not actually discipling and growing and connecting its people. And the third pasture, I'm calling the, the personal pasture. Like th- this, is, this is a pasture of growing in our own personal walk and relationship with Jesus, where, where we're learning from him and becoming more like him and, and allowing Jesus' words to become a template for how we live our own lives, giving room for the Holy Spirit to work inside a, of us and, and for us to become more uh, mature believers and followers of him. And, and again, this, this is an integral part of being a, a follower of Jesus. But again, it can become out of balance if we're not careful. There, there's, a, there's a broad category uh, that the, the Barner Group, and the Barner Group is, is, a, uh, is an organization that does uh, research and, and polling um, on the state of the church today, and, and they call an entire category of believers, this is the label that Barna gives them, that they love Jesus but hate the church. And these are people that are, that are sincere in, in, their, in their faith. They hold or, orthodox Christian beliefs. 89% of the people that fall in this category have made a, a personal commitment to Jesus. And, and they, they rank that their faith is, is either important or very important in their lives. And so the, these, are, these are fully committed followers of Jesus, and yet they've been absent. They've separated themselves from the church, where, where their own personal walk with Jesus is a key part of who they are, but they have separated themselves from the body of Christ overall. And so as we look at these three pastors, I, I see some focus areas for us as, as a church body, that we need to make sure that we are grazing in that internal pasture, that we are growing in our relationships and our connections with, with one another, that, that we're iron sharpening iron that we're encouraging one, one another, that are right here with, with one another, that are right here in our midst, but we're not becoming so internally focused that we neglect those who are outside and neglect our own, our own spiritual, personal growth. We need to ensure that we're also grazing in that external pasture, impacting the south side, forming those intentional relationships, making a difference in, in the lives of those that God has called us to love and to serve but not becoming so externally focused that we don't know the very people that God has assembled to walk and to work with us right here. Not neglecting our own discipleship and spiritual growth and transformation. We also need to graze in that personal pasture as well. That we allow the Holy Spirit to to speak to us through the Word of God, becoming more like Him, growing in in our faith. That, That many of us have probably heard the, the phrase before that we, we can become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. And we don't want to go to that extreme either, that we need a healthy balance of all three of those different pastures. Because if we over-focus and we over-graze on one of those, we can become unhealthy and, by neglecting the other two. And so I, I want to, as I, as I kind of close this morning, I, I want to just kind of pose a couple questions. Some questions just to, just to think about. And so I, I just ask that, that you just receive these questions and, and just allow the Holy Spirit just to, just to question you, to, to, to take inventory in a way of, of, where, of where we are. And, 
And so that first question is, is, is there a particular pasture that you tend to spend most of your time in? When thinking about those, like what, where, where are you naturally drawn? Is it to those internal connections and relationships? Externally, being, being very externally focused? Or, or is it just, all right, I'm trying to walk and grow my own personal relationship with Jesus? Is there one that feels more comfortable that we tend to gravitate gravitate towards? And are there some of those pastures that, that we can look at and say, man, there's some growth areas for me. There, there's some spots that, that I need to stretch and I need to grow as well. And, and so I want to ask everybody here that this coming year, as, as, we, as we endeavor to fulfill that mission that, that, Jesus is, that God has given to us, partnering in God's mission of love, reflecting the heart of Jesus to all people as we invite others on this journey of grace, as, as we seek to carry out that mission this coming year, as we seek to live out those, those vision statements of, of impacting the South Side, forming intentional relationships, pursuing spiritual transformation, expanding God's kingdom, empowering the next generation. Are you willing to come along on a journey of grazing in those different pastures together as a, as a church body? Like may, maybe you've neglected that external pasture and you've never been a part of any of our, our outreach or our external activities. Like this year, would you be intentional about joining us in serving externally? In fi finding an area, finding a, a, a place where, where you can come and, and join in and, and serve those that are right outside our doors here. Finding ways to join us as we partner with others in our neighborhood and expanding God's kingdom. Or, or maybe for you, maybe you've never really made any connections here at Living Stones. You, you've not truly formed any bonds or relationships right here within your church family. And, and this year, would you be willing to be intentional about, about grazing in that pasture, of growing in connection with other LSCers, putting yourself out there, maybe coming a little early, staying a little late, and, instead of ducking in right, right as worship starts and peeling out as soon as the last amen is said, maybe hanging around, talking a little bit more, asking someone their name and sharing with them yours. Or, or maybe for you, maybe that personal pasture is one that's been neglected, where, where you've never really taken your own spiritual walk and spiritual growth all that seriously. And you can look and you say, man, I've neglected that pasture as well. And maybe just finding a place to start. Like every week I put together a reading plan for us that relates to our message from Sunday. And, and usually it's just a verse or, or just a short passage but something just to, be, just to be thinking on, to read it over, to meditate on. Like find a way, to, find a way to, to be able to connect with God, looking for Him and the ways that He's operating around us all the time. Carving out a few minutes just, just to talk, just to talk with God. Like if, if maybe that personal pastor is an area that you've neglected, all right, this year would you be willing to spend some time in that pasture as well as, as we journey together as a church body, trying to seek a healthy balance between the internal, the external, and the personal. And so I want to close with one final passage from 1 Peter, and it's the passage that our church gets its name from. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, 
verse 4. Peter's writing to the church. He's actually writing to a persecuted church. And he says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And and think about that for just a moment. When he says that that you are being built into a spiritual house, and a house is being built, it's not built with just one type of material. It's built built with all different types of materials. You you need the plumbers, and you need the electricians, and you need the, the, the guys that will do the rough work, putting the studs up. You need the drywallers. You need every aspect of it for that house to be healthy and to stand for the ages. Peter's saying, no, no, you're being built into a spiritual house, that we need that balance of all of those things. He goes on to say in verse 9, but you are a chosen people. He says it again, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if that's who we're going to be, is that what, if that's what we're endeavoring to do, I ask that, that this coming year, as we look at 2023, as we're knocking on the doorstep of a new year, Would you journey with us as we become that royal priesthood, as we become that spiritual house that's being built, that holy nation, that that a people that that have received God's mercy and that we would proclaim his praises? But it's not something that one person does alone. It's not something that, that... just the, the leadership team does alone. It's not something that just a small group of people, but it's something that God has called all of us to. All of us to be a part of. And so if you would, I, I ask that you just bow your heads. I, I just want to pray for us right now as, as a church family. I'm going to invite the worship team. You guys can come back up. But Lord, we, we just love you so much. And God, I thank you for what you've called us to do. I thank you for who you've called us to be as as Living Stones Church, Lord. I I thank you, God, for for the mission that you have have given to us. Lord, that we, God, that you would look at us, Lord, and invite us into partnership with you, that you, you would look to us and you would say, I want you on my team. I want you to be a part of, of the grand plan of, of what, what I'm trying to do and what I'm accomplishing here on this earth, that, that God is looking at us as, as imperfect as we might be, and he's extending an invitation. He says, will you come with me? Will you journey with me? Will you be a part of this? Lord, thank you, God, for giving us that mission and that calling. Lord, that we get the opportunity to reflect your heart to all the people that we come in contact with, everybody that we see, that we can reflect you and that we can invite other people to be a part of this journey of grace. As we seek to impact the South Side, to form those intentional relationships, God, as we speak to, uh, as we 
endeavor to expand your kingdom, to empower and invest in that next generation. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would help do exactly what, what Peter wrote, that you would help build us into that spiritual house, that we would be that royal priesthood, that holy nation, that we've been set apart by you to make a difference in, in this world, not just to, to gather together and sing a couple songs and, and, and hopefully learn something and be encouraged on a Sunday morning, but God, you've called us to something way bigger than that, of sharing your kingdom growing what it is that you're doing to be that reflection. Lord, I, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that as we, as we look at, at those different pastures, the internal, the external, the personal pastures, Lord, that you would help us to do the things that are maybe uncomfortable for us, that, that we wouldn't just hang out and overgraze in one of, one of those, but God, that you would help us to be uncomfortable. You would help us to, to grow and, and to maybe change, push ourselves out of our comfort zone head to some of those other pastures as we seek to live out what it is, God, that you've called us to. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for, for the history that this church has had, for how you've led us to today, Lord, and I thank you, God, for the future that you have in store for us. God, I thank you for the, for the way that you are going to use this church and use these people to share, to share you the 5,000 people that are right outside our doors here. Lord, that you would help us to share you, to reflect you, to be a great representation of who you are. God, we love you. And we thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I wanted to share communion thoughts this morning as we're, as we're talking about this, about who we are as, as a church. And, and I want to, as I was thinking about when Jesus gathered his disciples together, that last supper that they had, that he, he invited, a, a, when, when you think about the, the 12 disciples, they, they were quite the motley crew. Like they, 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 were, they were a different bunch. And they all had their quirks and their issues, things that they, that they struggled with. He, he even invited Judas, the one that was going to betray him, to come be a part of this supper. And he washed his feet and he invited him to come and eat with him. And in, in the same way that Jesus extends that invitation to every single one of us to come be a part of his family, to come to his table and to partake in, in the Lord's Supper with him, I want to offer the same invitation as well, that regardless of if you've been here for 50 plus years or this is your very first Sunday that you've come here and joined us, I want to extend that same invitation. You're welcome. You're welcome at this table. You're welcome to be a part of what it is that God is doing. That regardless of what your history is, regardless of, of, of your past, what's going on in, in your life and in your world, God's got a plan for you. You're not here by mistake and you're not here by accident. He said, I want you to be a part. I want you to be a part. So that invitation to come to the Lord's table 
It's not just an invitation to come and to eat and to drink, but it's an invitation to live. It's an invitation to follow. It's, it's an invitation to a new way of life. And so as we, as we get ready to take communion here in just a moment, I just want you to reflect on that. I want you to think on that as you come forward, as we, as we sing this final song. God chose you. God picked you. God wants you. Regardless of the baggage of the past, God says, I want you. And would you come? Would you come walk with me? Would you come journey with me? Would you come be a part of what I'm wanting to do here in this world? So I'm going to pray. The ushers are going to come forward and prepare the, the elements. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing one final song. And I'm going to invite you to come forward. But Lord, thank you, God, for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you, God, for the way that, that you, God, that you invite us to your table, that there, there's no exceptions, Lord. There, there's no, all right, you need to jump through these hoops and then you're invited to be a part of my table and my family to come be a part of what it is that I'm doing. God, you just said come. You just said come. And Lord, that's what, we, that's what we're doing. That's what we endeavor to do as a church family here this morning. God, that we're coming to you. God, thanking you with hearts of, of gratitude and expectation of what you're going to do in the future. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.